are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by U.S. Rider. Today, we will be talking to quarter horse legend Lynn Palm. And to start our conversation today, I wanted to share a little bit about a trip I took last week. We are recording this in the middle of August, a trip I took out to San Diego, California. And where do you think I was, Viva? Three guesses and the first two don't count. <laughs> Sounds like Peter's dressage to me. It, it was. Um, I was out there along with a video crew. I was kind of the consultant. I don't know. I don't know what my official role was. Sort of a consultant role. To uh, part of my parent company, Equine Network, we have Horse Week every year, and we've talked about it previously mm-hmm. on podcasts. And one of the features this for this year's Horse Week is on Stefan and Mopsy, mostly, oh, fun. And, and their relationship. Um, but we also bring in the whole team, his wife, Shannon, uh, Mopsy's groom, Eddie. So we spent three days out with interrupting their lives and uh, filming, <laughs> doing all kinds of filming and interviews and just sort of absorbing the lifestyle out there, which was I have to say, absolutely amazing. I, I need to go on record that I don't think it's fair you get to do all the cool stuff. Okay? <laughs> well, you know. You get to do all the cool stuff. I, you get I paid get, and you I, get to do the cool stuff. <laughs> I, I do get to do some cool stuff. Absolutely. Because it was pretty amazing um, to just kind of be out there. And I have to say, now for anyone who is perhaps new to the podcast, we talked with, we interviewed Stefan on this podcast back in April. So if you haven't heard that conversation, please go back and listen to that. But one of the things about not just him, and this is what was just kind of amazing, not just him, but also Shannon and every single person at that barn, including there are other trainers there as well. This is not, exclu- you know, the, uh, the facility is not exclusively theirs. They are certainly there, but there are other professional trainer, dressage trainers there as well. Everyone there, those trainers, all the, the other grooms, the people who clean the stalls, the people who feed them, take care of the horses, everyone there was so kind, was so generous, was so accommodating, was so, it was just such a positive and happy place. Um, it's not it surprising. Was, you know, when we, when we interviewed him, I was so intimidated because, you know, <laughs> he's, he's Stephanie right. Peters, you know, right. I mean, sure. it doesn't get, I mean, we, we're talking about dressage royalty here and, yeah. you know, I'm a nobody and he's royalty and I wanted to grovel and he's just so um, approachable yeah. and human and thoughtful yeah. 
and kind. Yeah. Um, and I can see where he would create that environment around him as well. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously it starts at the top with Stefan and Shannon. Yeah. And, um, but it goes all the way through the entire facility. And it was such a welcoming place to be. And it was just, it was absolutely lovely to be there. And, you know, it was, we felt, we felt badly for any interrupting everybody's life. I mean, we tried not to be as, accommodating as possible, but you know, we're there filming for three days. It's hard to, you're pretty obtrusive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yes. But, um, everyone was just so fabulous and so kind and it was a wonderful experience just to, I was, you are absolutely right. I was very lucky to be able to go and to kind of be a fly on the wall in a lot of ways, you know, just also to watch him ride his horses and some very nice horses, you know, Mopsy and some others. So, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, he was very open and honest in a, in an extensive interview that we did with him, but I, I just, you know, kind of wanted to, to share that it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was tough. We were there for sunrise shoots and the sun comes up at 6am in San Diego right now. So, Mm. you know, but, uh, that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> but they were working at 6 a.m. So <laughs> they they actually Eddie starts at 545 with feeding the horses and then wow. Shannon's the first one riding at 7 a.m. So um, they have a very they have a very they have a structured schedule that they you know pretty much stick to as much as they can. And but you know what? And this is like Shannon makes breakfast for everybody every morning. She gets up at 430 in the morning to make breakfast for everyone. Wow. She makes muffins and stuff for everybody. She brought out blueberry muffins for us one morning. I, I just, I, you know, the, nice it's people. just a very, very nice, kind, generous, down to earth, humble people. Um, so if you were to tell really nice. our, us, our listeners and me, um, the <laughs> one highlight, the one thing that will stick with you, what was it? Oh, that's a, boy, that's a hard question, actually. I think, (laughs) I think some of it, (laughs) you're always asking me hard questions. Some of it was just, I know, right. Yeah. Turnabout is fair play. I think part of it was how open he actually was in the interview that we did with him and how he shared a lot of his insights and the struggles that he's gone through, through his career and how he has kind of come out on, you know, mostly on the other side of that in a much better place because he was very open about all of that. So I think that was really interesting. Um, and just, and, and the other thing's kind of fun seeing that, you know, he definitely has a relationship with Mopsy and, and when they, when they get done with their ride, they go up the hill and uh, back to the, towards the barn. And he takes the when the, when he dismounts, he takes the bridle off, and there's a four wheeler with a with a uh, bucket a, a container full of treats. Mopsy walks over, opens the lid, eats his treats, bridle you know bridleless. Then he yeah. kind of hangs out. Then they take him over. He drinks a he drinks an entire bucket of water, and they just hang out for a while. You know, oh. Mopsy doesn't have his bridle on. And they just they just hang and just relax and visit. <laughs> so That's nice, you know, and yeah. So that really kind of shows the kind of relationship that that he has with that horse in 
in particular, yeah. definitely. And um, yeah, so I think those are probably the two things that, that kind of stood out to me the most. Okay. So it should, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. And, I know. You know, maybe I'll ask more questions when we're off the air, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But now I have a question for you. Okay. Of course you do. And of course one I of do. I, Thank you I, for your really thought produce, you know, thought invoking <laughs> question. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. So we have another, yet another Ask the Owl question. And today's question comes from Linda. And she said her horse sometimes tilts his head to the right, especially in leg yield. He's had his teeth checked and there doesn't seem to be anything physically wrong with him. So she wants to know how that will affect her score in a test. Okay. It's an interesting question. It's a, a lot of that is a training question and um, I'm not going to give training advice because I'm assuming that Linda <laughs> has a trainer um, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm an L grad. So if I see a horse in my ring with a head tilt, um, what that tells me is that there is a connection issue. Um, generally, it is a hind end to the bridle issue, which, hello, that's connection. Um, and it right. usually means that, because of course, it's always the rider's fault, right? It usually means that the rider <laughs> is using the reins incorrectly in some way and is trying to create bend or change, you know, the path of travel in some way using the rein rather than using the rein with support from the leg and the seat aids. So if I see it consistently throughout the test, I do, I do comment on it. You know, I will say, um, energetic circle covers ground, slight head tilt, you know, crosses nicely in leg yield, head tilted, um, prompt transition, head tilt. <laughs> so if I see right. it consistently, I'm going to comment on it consistently. And I'm probably going to, I might not take 0.5 or one point off every single movement, but I'm going to be taking it off a lot of the movements. Um, and I am going to be addressing it in the submission issue. And I'm also going to be addressing it in the effect of the AIDS score box. Um, so it's a pretty significant problem if it is consistent through the test. Right. On the other hand, if it is something like what Linda is saying, when I leg yield, my horse has a tendency to, to, you know, twist his head a little bit to the right. Um, and I see it in the leg yield. Let's just say I see it in the leg yield going to the right. Um, probably more I'm seeing it going to the left. Um, to me, that tells me that probably, Linda, you're using your rein to try to move your horse sideways rather than using your leg and your seat aids. Um, and if you relaxed your right rein, your horse would probably straighten out his head. His ears would be level and even, and you'd have a lovely leg yield. So if I only see it in the leg yield and everything else looks good on the leg yield and your horse is aligned properly and your horse is crossing and doing all the stuff that he's supposed to do, I'm going to take off a half a point to a point, depending on how egregious the tilt is. Um, I will comment on it in the box. I will probably comment on it in the further remarks. It may bring your effect of the age score down 0.5. Um, but if that's the only time I see it, 
I'm going to make the assumption as the person sitting at C um, that you don't truly understand the aids for the leg yield versus if I see it consistently through the test. At that point, I'm assuming you're not riding your correct aids at all. So, you know, everything is a matter of degree. Um, it's a great question because it, it, it really is a training issue. And, you know, a dressage test is about judging your training, um, and how correct your training is. And I, I judged yesterday and the thing that I saw the most and that I commented upon the most after accuracy, which as everybody knows is my pet thing, um, (laughs) was the issue of connection and too many riders trying to muscle their horses into a frame Mm -hmm. using the reins rather than allowing the rein to go forward and asking the horse to step into the bridle from the hind legs. So a head tilt comes from hand um, and incorrect use of the reins. And so, of course, it is always going to be... something that we comment on in the test. So hopefully that answers the question. Very good. And you guys aren't seeing me doing all of these hand gestures to explain (laughs) what I'm talking about. It really, it really takes away. (laughs) Well, we appreciate your advice once again. And if anyone else has a question, a burning question that they have about um, showing or judging please reach out to us and ask it and we will get it on an upcoming podcast. Whether you and your horse are headed across the country or just down the road, the new U.S. Rider app helps you be prepared. From free travel planning, checklists, travel document storage, health alerts, emergency vet or farrier referrals, and more. You'll find everything you need to stay organized and have a safe trip at your fingertips. Plus, U.S. Rider members can easily request roadside assistance within the app. Ready to make traveling with your horses easier? Download the new U.S. Rider app from the Apple and Google Play app stores today. For more than 50 years, Lynn Palm has championed the partnership of horse and rider. An international clinician and competitor, she travels extensively teaching the fundamentals of Palm Equestrian Academy throughout the country and abroad. Palm is an American Quarter Horse Association judge and holds her USEFR Western Dressage Judges License. She continues to compete in both the USDF and the Western Dressage Association of America. Palm's competition record is second to none, having earned four AQHA Superhorse titles, over 30 AQHA World and Reserve Championships, several AQHA European Championships, more than a dozen WDAA World Championships, 15 USDF All-Breed Award Champions, and most recently, the Dressage and Western Dressage Championships at the AQHA World Show. 
Lynn was a special guest performer at the 1996 Olympics and was named 2000 AQHA Female Equestrian of the Year by the Women's Sports Foundation. In 2003, she was the recipient of Equine Affairs Exceptional Equestrian Educator Award, and she was titled Horsewoman of the Year in 2007 by the American Quarter Horse Association. In 2010, she presented at the World Equestrian Games as a clinician and entertainer and did the same at the 2017 FEI World Cup Finals in Omaha. Well, thank you, Lynn, for joining us today on the Dressage Today podcast. Oh, my gosh. It's such an honor and pleasure for me to be here. Thank you. Well, it's an honor and pleasure for us to have you, definitely. Um, You are, of course, very well known in the quarter horse world uh, for many, many years. How did you ever get started with quarter horses and paint horses, um, you know, overall? Well, when I was little, um, of course, when you're the young person and horse crazy as I was, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, thank goodness I grew up in the dressage saddle. Uh, the horse that I really did most of my training with was half quarter horse and saddlebred. So it interests me for all breeds. But, you know, just growing up in the area, the region of Florida I was in, the quarter horse, quarter horse type, the paint horse, right. it was most popular. And... As the motto of the American Quarter Horse is the world's most versatile breed. And I was that young kid that wanted to try everything. And yeah. so the Quarter Horse was filling those, those uh, check places. And, and it, was, it was fun to do many different things on them. But again, the fun part of it all is the basis of it was my dressage training. Right. And um, I didn't, still don't today, ride any different <laughs> in the dressage saddle as I do in the Western saddle. Sure. So, um, there's absolutely no difference at all. So that's the part that uh, um, really gave me my roots as an all-around trainer, which I was best known for, which mm-hmm. is someone that does multidisciplines. Right. Yep. So you kind of you kind of just explained it there, but what is it that you like so much about quarter horses? Well, quarter horses, for one thing, um, their temperament. They're 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 known as a docile horse. Um, the temperament was easy to work with me as a young person. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to figure them out easy cause they were very trainable. Um, and then they were very athletic also. So that attracted me to the horses as a young person. And again, growing up, um, which involved me in, in going with the breed and the breed shows, um, as I was uh, developing different horses. Right. Yep. Well, then what, when it comes to riding them in dressage, what Mm -hmm. do you feel are their strengths as a dressage horse? Absolutely amateur friendly horse. Yeah. The amateur that wants a horse that's easy, um, hassle free, (laughs) um, um, and you, you want to do other things with them. You want to trail ride them. You want to visit with your friends and socialize. They're, they're great for that. So easy horses to take take yourself if somebody likes to do their own you know truck and trailer or car and trailer and take the horse to a show or an event or whatever they're great for that yeah they have easy gates 
Um, and my most favorite um, uh, and has always been since the 70s is when the breed opened up to the thoroughbred, the registered right. thoroughbred into the breed. Yeah. And that there started the hunter style quarter horse. But also, as tradition goes on, and even now, the last couple decades of me um, showing quarter horses in traditional dressage, um, they they have been an easy horse to fit in because um, it, if you ride them with correctness and accuracy, mm -hmm. today, I think the development of dressage, the judges have gotten very well open-minded to look at all breeds of horses and judge them accordingly. Right. Yes, the warm blood will always be the breed of choice. It'll never change and it shouldn't because <laughs> they're made for the discipline. Sure. So, yeah. So, um, you know, that's, I think the amateur friendly is, is the most, and then they're just trainable. You know, dressage is also a discipline that, that requires someone to be pretty passionate and dedicated to the <laughs> This is true. <laughs> in a lot, in a lot of ways. And, yeah. And in building that wonderful relationship, dressage and building the skills or the levels that's to offer of levels and tests and the requirements in each level is a building blocks of learning and developing rider skills and the training of the horse. Yeah. And I have, I have been exposed to many people that want to do things on their own and they want to train their own horses. And the dressage <laughs> is a very good connection with that. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. good. Yeah. So, and not saying that it's not good to ride another horse and have lessons with other horses that maybe are more trained than yours or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> but it's, you know, that, that's the beauty of the dressage and where I found it that, um, you know, people that are involved in it, that really like it, you know, they, they, they want to, they want to practice it. They want to train it and they right. do it and they become good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well then what would you consider, what are some of the weaknesses for the quarter horse when it comes to dressage? Well, the first, the two main things, one, again, if you have the thoroughbred, you have a better chance, but they're right. Horse doesn't think forward. So yeah. it's not your Arab, it's not necessarily your Morgan, <laughs> your thoroughbred, some of your warm blood types or crosses and stuff like that. So that would be number one. So you have to create it. And if right. you're a hand riding rider, a quarter horse isn't for you. Because if you block them, you're just only not going to get very far. <laughs> right. Got to ride back to front. And then yeah. second is that it takes a little longer with these horses to develop an uphill balance. Sure. They're made in their confirmation, very level on the top line. Mm -hmm. The thoroughbred helps them being a little bit, the head and neck to tie in a little, the neck to tie in a little higher into the shoulder. Um, but to develop the uphill balance, it takes a little longer, but they can. Yeah. And I have developed the horses, the quarter horse to fourth level really fairly easily. Yeah. So going from there, there's been a few others that have, but when it comes to, some of the uh, extensions, some of the suspension that makes uh, higher scores in a canter pirouette or passage or piaf. Yeah. The quarter horse doesn't have the suspension to the stride to help beautify those movements, even if they are correct. Yeah, Correctness, sure. you can get somewhere. You can get good 60 scores. Yeah. You know, you can get in the 60s, but 
the breed then will limit the higher scores just because of who they are and right. how they're made. Sure. Yeah. So that those would be the two, but but you can, you know, I mean, I think if horses come up to and and are very competitive in fourth level, you know, you've you, you, I think any breed can do that. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you've definitely accomplished something there, that's for sure. Yeah, we have. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, so you've been, you have been around for a while. You've been in the business for a long time. How have you seen the breed change over the years? Well, I first mentioned, um, yeah, my business started in 1970. Okay. In the mid-70s, um, or to later 70s, no, mid-70s, when they adopted the, the the registered thoroughbred to come right. and breed. That was you a know, big that's change. Where, exactly. And that's where my English background and loving the English style of riding and doing hunter jumper as a kid and so forth. This right. was this was a big change in the breed. Now what I see a change is it's going a little bit more toward the Western horse again as it originally started. Mm. And why I say that first, a really top um, breeders, I know two that were clients of mine that only bred their thoroughbred mares or with quarter horse crosses or a thoroughbred sire to a quarter horse cross are not doing it anymore. Oh. Well, I had some quarter horses that were seven eighths thoroughbred. And what's happening is they're breeding that the ranch horse is gotten so popular, mm -hmm. great within the breed and the heritage of the ranch and those breeders. It's, it's, it's evolved to where they're on the top of the list, so to speak, than what's new in the breed. So what's changed is they're, they're breeding more really stylish, um, all types of horses, the ranch horse or the cutting horse and the cow type horse. The ranch horse goes both ways, but then it interacts towards where it comes into the all around and the dressage. So right. that also is with the English horse unfortunately. So now <laughs> in the breed, thank goodness they have a working hunter under saddle and their hunter under saddle is more like a Western horse and with English tack on. Gotcha. So yeah. that's what's really changed. And that yeah. horse will not do well in the dressage arena. Right. Right. However, the one that does the hunters only and does the working hunter under saddle in the breed shows, or at least quarter horse, I don't know what the paint and the other right. stock horse breeds are doing, but those can definitely do traditional dressage. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so those are an uphill balance, period. Right. You know, uncovering ground and active gates. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because that's kind of the fundamentals. So there, there you <laughs> for, go. for dressage anyway. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um tell us a little bit about some of your most memorable horses that you've had in your career. Wow. Because well, you've had to, a couple. I, I have to say I've been very spoiled and not just some, but a lot. A lot. Uh, yeah, yes. exactly. Okay. So well, I'll just, see. Can you narrow I'll just it go down? Through, yeah. I'll just go through a quick list. Okay. Okay. And and I'll just give a little quick of who they are. Yeah. Uh, Nick Knack was the one I just mentioned, the half quarter horse and half saddlebred. Right. He was my foundation of dressage. And I showed him in the very first Southeast uh, USDF regionals. Um, show um, that they had in Sarasota, Florida in the, I think it was 68, actually. Um, anyway, his name was Nick Knack. It was a beautiful <laughs> uh, chestnut with a flaxen mane and tail and four white socks. So he was oh, so my. fun. 
Yeah. My, my unregistered horse, Mocha Dell, that my mom and I bought when my dad was on a business trip and she was a baby <laughs> um, on a mare that it was at the fairgrounds. And we bought the baby and they brought it here and it was weaned from the mom at the same time. And it jumped the fence. And there we go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I did everything and everything with her. Yeah. Including my first job out of high school. Um, in upstate New York at a uh, tourist attraction, jumping through a hoop of fire without a, a rotating hoop of fire without a bridle. Wow. Uh, yeah. So Mocha Dell was a great one. Lacanto Raider, my first great one. He was the really start of the appendix quarter horse. He was a fabulous horse uh, that was owner wanted him to run um, on the racetrack and he didn't want to run. So I tried him as a show horse and I got along with him so well. He was my first national and world show horse uh, okay yes and um of course rugged lark he's the most famous he's my sure one of the lifetime horse these others yeah. are great but he's a 16 he was 16 years my boyfriend and <laughs> did um uh record breaking things with him in aqha and then 10 fabulous years of uh all the major horse events doing at, uh, exhibitions with him and our, our main song was One Moment at Time, mm -hmm. and, I, and uh, I did that at uh, Routine Bridalist, and uh, it was it was cool. It was jumping and two tempi changes and canter pirouettes without the yeah. bridle, and it was it was a, a really fun 10 years of doing that. Yeah. Uh, two sons of him that we made super horses, the Lark Ascending, also did with dressage with him after he won the super horse. He was, he was very well received in USDF. My Royal Lark, um, another one, did both the breed shows in USDF. Um, uh, Rugged Painted Lark, he was the paint that um, was the Briar model. Uh, yeah. Rugged Lark. Um, he did exhibitions, some competition, but he, he um, did the exhibitions, which I had so much fun, that um, learning about that world from my first mentor that was the owner of the horse, Nick Knack. Okay. So, yeah, so from there... Um, you know, I'm just hoping for uh, new challenges. I don't, I'm not <laughs> training for the public anymore. However, I've got a beautiful uh, new little quarter horse, a buckskin, beautiful <laughs> colored um, for ranch and, and Western dressage. And then I've been in introducing myself to the Spanish horses. I oh, love their temperament. Okay. I love their smooth gates. Yeah. I like their easiness. They're amateur friendly. I want no, no hard horses to ride, and I would like to do the upper levels in FEI that wow. I haven't had the opportunity. So that's those are my two bucket lists, lists and uh, going to make that happen with new horses. Well, that's you know that's fantastic that you yeah. still that you still have goals and things that you're striving for, even though Absolutely. you've accomplished so much in yeah. your career. Yeah, um, you know it, yep. it. It kind of goes to that. Your true horse people, they never stop learning. They're always that's right. trying to learn more and get better and do more things. And Yep. That's one every, thing I learned from my mentor. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And every horse will teach you something. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, obviously you've had a lot of experience with quote unquote non-traditional breeds and what advice and and let's face it most of most of the people out there most of the amateur riders out there are riding some type of horse that is not 
the <laughs> six-figure war blood because sure. most of us <laughs> so so what kind of advice would you give to them for people riding a what we call non-traditional horse in dressage sure i i have to say this with a a big smile because <laughs> first of all it, 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 my advice is to show your horse off yeah. it doesn't matter what breed of horse it is that's the beauty of dressage is that it's for all breeds and when you right. have good you when you have open-minded judges that can look at a breed of the horse and understand its breed characteristics confirmation form to function you've got to find things that you can appreciate and help everybody with to achieve good goals with their horses sure so my first advice is show off your horse <laughs> it's a discipline if you to do it well you can't practice once in a while you got to really get, understand that it's a sport and if you want to compete and do well you got to be you got to give at least 3 days a week fours really necessary five and six is even better right but the other back to my smile on my face miss james the <laughs> boy who uh is oh, smiling yeah. down on us uh, yeah. that i had such great times and opportunity and learnings from um she was the most influential to tell me to ride always with correctness of course or accuracy yeah For accuracy you've got to do ride with correctness so yeah. correctness and accuracy go hand in hand and that's how i was able to be competitive on the quarter horse mm -hmm. and each time i would get champion in a division i'd walk away from that office and say yes non-traditional <laughs> breed got champion this weekend <laughs> And it's riding with accuracy. Yeah. And she taught me so much about what to do. And um, there you go. So that's the other ride with accuracy. And my best tip from that from her is walk your test on foot mm. in your dressage arena. And if you can do it at the show, that's even better before the show starts, the day right. before, right. Uh, the evening of, uh, you're, you know, you ask the show secretary, can I walk the, in the arena on foot? Most of the time say it's not a problem. Yeah. So yeah. that also, that was a key component to help me with that. So I okay. hope I can share that with others. Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, my, the second horse I owned, she was an appendix. She was a quarter horse thoroughbred cross and mm -hmm. the exact, the exact same thing that you said. I used to, you know, I won my fair share. I wasn't, you know, fabulous or anything, but we won our fair share, but it was because we were accurate. Right? Because, you know, your corners were corners, your circles were circles. You did right? everything at the letter you're supposed to do it at. And, yep. you know, and I had that, I used to have that in my head. I'm like, I have to be super accurate because I don't have, you know, a horse with, fancy gates or anything like that. So yep. I have to ride better. Yes. You know, so I put yes. that and, and that's what happened. And and there if you, you do that, as long as if you ride better, then, yep. <laughs> then everyone else in the class. That's right. And your horse does better when you ride. And your better. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it is so, so true that those little that those little details there that if you just really focus in on those can can make can make a a much bigger difference than you think sometimes they'll make in every you know way. absolutely yeah, definitely absolutely. Yeah. so that yeah. is that is excellent advice great 
And so along with traditional dressage, as you said, you have been kind of, you helped get the whole Western dressage phenomenon <laughs> started. And it's just going like gangbusters, as as you well know. Um, well, yes, it is. And in so many fun ways. I think, yeah, I, 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 I'd like to say I was one of the founders, but I'm not. And a wonderful group of uh, Morgan and Arab people have gotten okay. together, and they're the founders of putting this Western uh, Western Dressage Association together. And um, I have uh, adopted that association because they now, or now they have been almost a decade now affiliate with um, USEF. Right. So that for me gives it the credibility for approved sure. shows and and yeah. all the above. So yeah. that's number one, and. You know, it, and um, and why it's all about good riding, and and yeah, I, I'm, I haven't been a founder, but I, again, like I said to you earlier, if I'm going to sit in a western saddle, I'm riding the same way that if I'm in a dressage saddle. Right. I, there's no difference in my balance, my position and balance, how I'm communicating with the horse, how I'm putting the horse in balance. Yeah. So there's really there's no difference in those fundamentals. So. And there's such bad Western riding in the United States, <laughs> I hate to say. Yeah. And it's gotten worse over the years, and it still hasn't gotten any better, except, and especially in raining, which is very popular in Europe. And we just did sure. the first approved Western dressage competition in Europe, Marie Francis and I, and with our winning ways that we're doing, which is an education and competition event. And those Italians love raining, and they got their horses' heads up. I was so impressed with them, <laughs> and they rode. They had a great background of riding, and they they really did a great crossover with uh, reining ranch riding, and the western dressage. Oh, so neat! That's also my continued promotion, or me, why I'm trying to um, uh, make it grow is for those reasons. Because the ranch horse in the western world is back to where the horses need to be correct in their performance. Right. The horses right. are uphill. They're covering ground. They have energetic strides. They ask them to do some very hard things. And, you know, that they, 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 they have very nice events with it. That's the crossover with the Western dressage that it goes. So yeah. promoting both is, is, is great. I, I've seen a big growth in the decade, a little more than a decade that the association's been together. I really would like to see more pros get involved that are higher skills. For me, uh -huh. it's not enough. It's a really grassroots discipline or right. people that's grass to it because it's, it's, it has grass, a community of, community of people, number one, who love their horses, and number two, who want to ride well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 taken a decade. It's growing our little winning ways that we started last year. We tried a couple of them and it went over well. We did seven this year, six in the United States and one in Italy mm -hmm. and um, Ohio. It's Marie's telling me that I'm just it's amazing how what the numbers we have for the competition. And we've been had a waiting list for that one since we put it out there. Wow. So, OK, yeah, so there's. There's interest in different spots of the country, but it's fun because the people that are getting involved in it, they see there's other good reasons for it. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah. look at the jumper riders today. 
dressage between the jumps. That's Jane's last book. My <laughs> yeah. Sweet husband. She had him, French husband, had him do the forward for it because it's that's why for so many years the um, jumper riders in Europe were so much more competitive than our American riders. Right. In so right. many ways because they could yeah. do the small arenas. Well, yeah. You can't do yeah, the yeah. small arenas unless they got dressage between the jumps. <laughs> exactly. But boy, uh-huh. I was at the. The World Cup in in, in uh, Nebraska, and the, those horses between the jumps and the jumpers, none of them their heads anymore. They're obedient. Yeah. They bend correctly. They have power. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. and, and that was do, a tight arena. <laughs> and, and that's that's again. So you know, that's my dedication and my right. give back to the industry to say, hey. You Western people who like the Western saddle, doesn't matter what breed it is. Yeah. But you know, when you get a certain age and you want those amateur friendly horses and you really like the comfort of that Western saddle, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. inviting. Yeah. And the clothes, definitely. the clothes, <laughs> the Vaquero look. Oh, it's just beautiful. And I really like how in Western dressage, harmony is such an important part Absolutely. of all of it. Right. And yeah, that, that yeah. is, that is so crucial. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I wish that was, uh, and I guess maybe, maybe it's starting to head that way. Yeah. But the harmony, yeah harmony we, and traditional dressage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to there. It's, it's going to take still another decade because yeah. <laughs> within the decade. No, but it's really helped the GMOs and the small, the smaller dressage society groups sure they've added western dressage and yep. their 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 clubs are making more money they're, yeah they're smiling they're new people coming in they got more memberships it's a win-win yeah absolutely so, and so that evolution is coming on and again the uh there's many uh usdf judges who's done the crossover which mm-hmm. is great. We need still then not to stop that. It's yeah. It's it's really good. And you know, the only really difference is that the horses just aren't going to cover ground as much if it's some of the you know, like an Arab and a Morgan. They're not going to cover ground like a thoroughbred or a right. Parisian, you know. Or you just got to judge the horses according to their breeds. Yeah. But sure. um, the correctness of how to do it is is where the promotion needs to. And when when it gets closer together and more and more people individually feel that, the, you know, some Western riders could help their business, and, yeah. you know, it's going to keep growing. And that's why we need more pros. Right. I'd like to see more better riders, more pros. Right. Then they bring the clients. Right. You know, they bring sure. the riders that ride with them and their students and that kind of yeah. thing. So it's building. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. Need another decade. I mean, the WDAA, I mean, their numbers are amazing. Yeah. Um, what they do with their their world show, and so it's all really impressive, and it's coming. It's yeah. it just takes time with stuff like that for sure. It does. It really it does. does. It does. And especially when you put dressage with the word western, <laughs> it, at first Gary Rockwell still cringes a little bit, but he's he's, he's looking at it. Okay, well, good. He, he was putting his fingernails across the table. <laughs> When he's at yeah. my place for a clinic, and he's they're good, it's it's all good, it's all yeah. good for horses and in industry. Why not? Right, exactly. Right, well, and you mentioned the clinic that you did in Italy. How yes. did that How did that even come about? What made you want to go there and 
do that? Well, I'll tell you for sure. And I got excited because I, I didn't mean to say it earlier, but yes. That's okay. You're fine. <laughs> I did. Uh, well, there's a wonderful um, breeding um, and training operation um, and a family that I've been in con- uh, involved with in conjunction with since the 80s. And the wife of the family uh, came to the United States and she's one of the first importers and um, uh, uh, translators of others that importing quarter horses, American horses to Italy in the, okay. the, early, the 70, late 70s, early 80s. So um, I've always stayed involved with them and connected with them. They've, they've uh, the European, um, and when the quarter horse got popular in Europe, I did 14 years in a row there t- teaching, competing, um, judging and and really enjoying the Europeans so much because they have some dressage background. Uh-huh. Sorry, they do. Or <laughs> some, some awareness of it. So it's really right. fun to teach those people. And I spent most of my time in Switzerland. They loved it. Um, Italy, uh, Germany, um, some in France. And so anyway, back to the Italians. You know, the Italians, they they like to do things first. You, you put it okay. in Okay. Formula One card, come on, (laughs) those Ferraris, they want to be first, you know? Right. So um, uh, last year I went there on my own and I did a clinic with, with, at the facility and worked with people there and they loved it. So we brought our winning ways there where we did a competition, which was an AQHA approved, a WEA approved. Yeah. And then we did a competition on Saturday and then, um, well, actually, we did something a little different with them. Um, we also did a ranch show with them on Sunday because they wanted to all do the ranch class. <laughs> so but I got permission from both associations to be able to clinic these riders with the Western dressage, not the ranch, but the Western dressage before. Mm-hmm. It's new. It's first time. It's new. Right. Right. So I was able to do that. And I just, you know, taught them the geometry of the ring, just the basics you know, where, how to do your transitions at markers, where they're good because they do pattern work. You know, they're real good on on circles because of their background of reining and um, with dressage, whatever it is. And just, just gave them, got their feet wet and and riding a test and just gave them tips. Right. You know what happened is I judged these riders. And of course, for me as a judge, because I always had to earn my scores. I never got my <laughs> And you got an yeah. score, it was me. Yeah. And I gave my highest scores to these people because they had a good basis of riding. Uh-huh. And they did a great job with their horses. Talk about riding correct straightness and bending correctly, keeping the same tempo in the gates. And, the, and um, they, were, they were doing really well. Yeah. And, and even they had three youth riders and the youth, again, like a lot, the youth are, they're struggling in all the equestrian world events. There's got to mm-hmm. be, should be more of them. And anyway, they had three and one little girl, I have to tell you this, and she couldn't have been more than 16. And her horse was spooky at the one end of the ring where A, uh, a was to come in the ring. And this horse was giving her a hard time. And this is a kid. And I rang the bell and I'm waiting for my 45 seconds. She's ready to come in. So she's on the end going back and forth, and I'm looking at my clock for 45 seconds, and she was good. And then she she was able to get her horse turning, it was to the right, and came down the center line, halted, and she went through her test, 
and I guess the horse was confident enough to be in that little ring. And she got through her test. I was I was amazed the composure that this kid yeah. and that little horse took a big dig breath after she got started in a test and she ended up doing a fantastic job. That's you great. Know, yeah. You know, and I, I, I don't see that enough in America with uh, young riders. Right. So anyway, just yeah. a good story, but yeah. yes. Um, and they loved every minute of it. We did the clinic. We did the show with dressage, Western dressage and then the ranch the next day. And they did a great trail ranch trail class. <laughs> They had um, a lot of really cool obstacles. They did a ranch riding pattern that was very well done. Ranch rail where you judge them like a pleasure class, but they got mm -hmm. to spend the trot and lope. And then, of course, the Italians, they wanted a confirmation class. So they all had grooms. And then the oh. grooms had to come in the ring and strip <laughs> right. the horses and right. groom the right. horses. Right. Yeah. And then have a confirmation. And then they had an all-around ranch horse and then okay and with the big long tables and the lunch and everybody <laughs> that's the best part i know <laughs> so that's why we went you asked me <laughs> do you have so, plans to go back or to do yes we are going to go back US? next yeah. year we already yeah. got dates in june uh end of june i think it is or middle of june Instead of, I think we went July, but yes, we got dates already next year. We're going back. Great. Yeah. So That's I don't know. Crazy. I might be able to do, I, I have to be really careful because, you know, you can't, you can't clinic and then judge somebody, you know, that's right. the rules. But if it's new people, I think I could still do at least a day. Yeah. But, you know, those, they got their, they got their clinic in before a horse show. Now clinic after a horse show, that's a different story. <laughs> right. Right. But it's. It, but it, I was really proud of them all because they were so focused. You, they love competition. You know, they, yeah. that eye of the tiger came out with the <laughs> was really cool. You know? It was really, they were fun and they dressed yeah. really well. Oh, they were all about it. It was, it was really fun. That's really, great. Really fun. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So we well, will be back. Good. Good. Yeah. And the last question I have is one we've been asking all of our guests this year so that we are putting together a book list. And yes. so what do you have a favorite book yep. or horse book, yes. fiction or nonfiction that you would like to share with us? Well, um, I hope it's, I mean, it's, it's also education. Uh, my, the book sure. that came first to my mind is Jane Savoy's book, That Winning Feeling. Yeah. That's a classic, isn't it? It's a classic. Um, when I first met Jane, she was interviewing me for her cross-training books, training books, uh, mm -hmm. education books. And um, I asked, she asked me to do the forward on her book, which I was very honored about. And I read her book. Uh, I didn't know about it. And before I went to my national competition, and I went with a horse that was, I just did his three best classes. And I never realized how much our minds, because I was always a positive, confident competitor, yeah. how much our mind plays in competition about in, while you're competing and how much you can be negative and doubt yourself. Yeah. After reading her book, I was thinking about it so much. I was taking every negative thought because <laughs> I was doing the working hunter, which was I could do well in the working hunter, but it was one of my weakest class because sometimes I didn't see the distance all the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I was challenged a little more with that class. And I'll tell you what, after doing those three classes, that horse was the reserve open all around horse. 
was American Quarter Horse Congress. I don't know how many horses competed for it, but yeah. it did so well, and it contributed to that book. And it's the one I suggest most at clinics to people. Right. Yeah, the definitely. Second, the second, uh, anything that I can get my hands on from Carl Hester. <laughs> Sorry. I saw his master class in Ocala, Florida. Uh -huh. And I absolutely, uh, he amazed me how he helped all the horses at every level by improving the riders. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially their hands. Yeah. It was yeah. fabulous. It was, it was amazing. I never yeah. attended a clinic, nor have I think I've done it myself, where you truly take each rider at every level and you truly can make a difference for them and those horses. It was beautiful. Right. It was, it, you had your mouth open. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, and yes. Because <laughs> you could see it in the horses. Sure. When he yep. fixed the hands, they had freedom in front. They could yep. do what their riders wanted them to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, but Jane's book, That Winning Feeling, if that's one that you can take, that would be my number one. Okay. And yeah. you have a book coming out as well, don't you? I do. I do. I do. I didn't mention that, um, uh, that Mr. Rugged Pain and Lark and I are on the cover. Yeah. Uh, we got to perform, uh, do an exhibition and clinic at the FEI World Cup in Omaha four years ago. Right. And um, uh, that picture was taken there. It was a wonderful experience. The first time a Western saddle in the FEI arena. <laughs> they only had dressage and jumping. Right. Um, anyway, it was a, a true honor. And um, it's, it's making your own super horse. It's for people, like I mentioned, that truly um, uh, they want to hear uh, a little bit of bio about myself and, mm -hmm. and what I've learned from my different mentors and horses. And then um, sharing um, uh, special exercises, training exercises for different reasons with the horses. May it be more manners on the ground. May it be for um, uh, downward transitions. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's something right. that is always a challenge for everybody in, in, in ways that um, there's some it's fun training things in there. So a way for, and again, following the principles of dressage. Right. Um, it, it, it's a little bit of a, a bio about my career and then um, uh, some education in it as well to keep supporting people that want to do things with their horses on their own and mm -hmm. also always have a guidance on the ground uh, as in any sport. Right. Yeah. And if people want to find out more about your book or your other programs, where can they get more information? Well, the best way is limpalm.com and yeah. of course uh, the Facebooks um, <laughs> uh, Palm Equestrian Academy now is the name of our business, which we have many things under our umbrella that we do. Right. Um, uh, and then Winning Ways, we got a Facebook with it. If anybody's interested in those competitions and clinics that we're doing, mm -hmm. we got two left Ohio and Texas coming up. And then we're getting our calendar ready for. 2024. So if anybody would like us to come in their area, you, you, there's a way that you can uh, let us know there too, as well. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed talking with you, getting to hear a little bit more about your, uh, your history and everything. And I so appreciate you talking with us today. Oh, my very, very pleasure, especially for dressage today. And Stephanie, <laughs> You've been great to work with. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. 
If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.